Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're still here in Oslo in the fishbowl. This is the last day of recording for us. Yep, but it'll come out out of order, so don't get too confused. It's going to be fine. That's right. This was recorded back in June, June yeah. 16th. I think we get the whole summer off for this big burst of recording. I think so. And <laughs> hope, a few other know. shows I want to pick up. We'll shuffle some things around. Yeah, we might have to shuffle a few things around. That happens sometimes. And I worry when we get too far ahead, because yeah. sometimes stuff changes. Right. Well, hopefully, you know, MS Build... Not going to change all that much, we don't think, in the next two I months. I think it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Probably a pretty safe bet. For sure. Okay, let's roll the music for Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what do you got? Daniel's looking at us like we got two heads. He's like got a grin on his face. <laughs> it's like, what's up with these guys? Oh, well, I was just going to say, MS Build has changed quite a bit in the past year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, save it for the show. All right. We'll, <laughs> we'll, find out, good. we'll find out exactly what he means. But uh, let me tell you about another James Montemagno Xamarin plugin. Oh, yeah, you've got a bunch from him. The plugin model is really great because rather than having to do all this native code on each platform to handle sensors and whatnot and all this stuff, you just have one PCL project that actually it's it's a project that you load in each particular platform project. Right. But it's, essentially it's just NuGet and then you control it all in the PCL class and you get all the stuff for free. Nice. So this one is the GeoLocator plugin. Oh, okay. So it's basically all the GPS stuff. Right. Without having to go down and deal with the native platform. That's specific to the given platform, exactly. right? It's just an abstraction over top of all that. Yeah, and you're only dealing with it in the UI layer anyway. Right, right. So you just make a make a call to it and you've got it. That's nice. They're just turning this into Windows Forms for mobile, <laughs> you know? The, it's really Is that looking, a product name I, yet? I continuously call Xamarin Forms Windows Forms. Do you really? I do. And it's just out of habit because, I, you know, back in the day, we okay. did so much Windows Forms. I don't think that's right. It's not right, of course, but that's, you know, that's why it's funny. Absolutely. Anyway, know it, learn it, love it, the geolocator plugin. Love it. Yeah, who's talking to us? Grab the comment off of show 1432, which we did back in April of 2017, just not that long ago, with Donovan Brown. We were talking about DevOps pipelines. Remember when he, he did that? that talk at build where he did yeah. five pipelines in one hour he's amazing he's an animal yeah. it's crazy anyway great comment here from mike who said the most impactful thing i've heard on the show was donovan saying stop asking permission just go do the right thing yeah i'm sitting on an old app that was designed around a two-month waterfall release cycle the risk involved in pushing two months worth of work versus two to three weeks in an agile cycle must be exponentially higher no the more code you change yeah higher risk it is we have had issues almost every release. I stay up for 24 to 48 hours on release weekends. I've been pleading with my managers to give us the budget to set up continuous integration, continuous delivery pipelines. But the typical response is what you get at a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. Why would I change anything? Right. They're not the ones staying up for a whole weekend every time they deploy. Why would they care? <laughs> and they say things like the lines of business don't want it. It doesn't add value. But it's my weekends and weeknights. So I'm just going to work some overtime and get it done. Okay. Thank you guys for this one. Yeah. Dude, thank you. Thank you. And in fact, to keep you awake while you're getting it done, I'm going to send you a .NET Rocks mug you can fill with coffee. Yeah. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. Plus. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. You always have our permission. <laughs> Always. No, always. All right. Let's bring on Daniel Playstead. 
He is here with us today talking about MS Build. Since joining Microsoft in 2008, Daniel has worked on the Managed Extensibility Framework, or MEF, portable class libraries, and the .NET Framework. He loves .NET and open source and has created a couple portable OSS libraries, PCL Storage and PCL Testing. He's presented at various conferences, including Microsoft Build, Microsoft TechEd, Xamarin Evolve, and .NET Fringe. In his free time, he enjoys computer games, reading, hiking, juggling also and footbagging, otherwise known as hacky sack. Love me some hacky sack. Yeah, welcome. Thanks. A meth guy. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was just like just you and Glenn Block. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nick Bloomhart uh, yeah, was right. here. Oh, he yeah. left this morning, and we were walking around Oslo on Monday, I think, mm -hmm. and there was a sign that said meth outside of a <laughs> store or something with a like a gear logo, and so we yeah. took a selfie there. Uh, it's awesome. It's pretty funny. Uh, Whatever happened to meth? Where is meth these uh, days? Well, there's like three versions of meth. Right. Yeah. Uh, we wrote it, uh, and then Nick, Nick rewrote it, and then I think it was Andrew Arnott rewrote it for Visual Studio. Mm -hmm. uh, all three versions are actually open source now. Wow. It's not a bad thing. No, that's great, but it's kind of, you don't know which one to pick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do they all do different things? Yeah, they're, they're all subtly different. Um, Why three versions then? Oh, man. The first one was really optimized for Visual Studio, and the concerns there were startup. And then we started thinking, well, you know, ASP.NET, that's where dependency injection oh, and IOC okay. containers are generally used, and they right. care a lot about throughput. Yep. And so Nick wrote what we called MEF2 with optimizing that in mind so that uh, you could create a whole lot of object graphs really quick. And the first one, you would pay some cost for uh, doing expression compilation. Yeah. But then subsequently, the object creation was basically as fast as it could be. It would be basically the same speed as if you hadn't used an IOC container if you had just written the code to new everything okay. up. Right. And then the, the third version was for Visual Studio. They needed some more hooks, hooks or yeah. features. They needed to optimize it. And it ended up supporting the, the parts from both MEF-V1 and MEF-V2. Oh, man. Okay. So, well, anyway. that's what happens. Yeah. Specialty. So let's talk MS Build. You said it's changed a lot in the last year. Yep. Hope it doesn't change too much in the next two months, or we're going to have a have to have you back. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be happy to come back. But uh, no, I think we're we released Visual Studio 2017 sometime earlier this year, right? Yeah. And we're going to release update three in a couple of months, I think. Yeah, yeah. And so that'll be out by the time this is this podcast is out, I think. Cool. And so you know, I may touch on some some stuff that was in the VS 2017 release, mm -hmm. and some stuff that we're still working on, or it's almost done for the update three, but yeah, we kind of know what's going to happen over the next is few it, months. Is it building just building? Why do you need to keep updating? What's going on? Uh, well, <laughs> where should I start? Um, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people, you know, they just use Visual Studio, and that's great, and they don't really interact with MS Build very much at all, right? right? And that's fine. So they will probably not notice anything different. All right. Great. Love but everything about that. There are some people who, who need to extend the build, and there are some people who want to edit their project files and have a good experience there. And the background to the changes that we've made is that we were on this whole .NET Core and .NET Standard yeah. journey, you know, creating a cross-platform open source version of .NET from scratch. Right. And a lot of what that was inspired by, the, the development experience, was tools like Node.js where it's very simple you can get started with just a text editor and you you know you install one thing you run it 
text editor for your project files, text editor for your code. Yeah. Very, very simple. And so we were trying to match that experience. Sure. Yeah, uh, okay. And at the time we were writing that, MS Build was not cross-platform right. and was not open source. So we ended up not using MS Build and come, came up with a, a completely new project format and a build system. And the project format was project.json. Mm-hmm. And it had some really nice characteristics. It was, it was very, very simple. People could just look at it and think, okay, this isn't too complicated. This doesn't have a bunch of uh, redundancy, a bunch of stuff I don't need or understand. Yep. Yeah. It was very uh, clean. It was clean. Yeah. And in MS Build, traditionally, you've had to list all of your source files. Yep. Sure. Which, you know, some people might want to be explicit. A lot of people don't. And then sometimes, especially if there was metadata on them, mm-hmm. then if you had multiple people editing the same file, you'd have merge conflicts. Well, multiple people editing the same project. So I added this source file, you added this source file. Right. It's an XML file, and in some cases, it didn't merge well. Right. Okay. And there, yeah, there was a bunch of folks that were trying to, you know, you can always find blog posts on going from Project JSON to MS Bill. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a big deal, but it's kind of over now, right? They're back at CS Proj again. Yes. You know, that wasn't the only thing. There were, there were a bunch of benefits. It could create NuGet packages easily. You right. could target multiple frameworks. You're talking about Xamarin plugins. Yeah. It could do that type of thing with just one project. So when you write a Xamarin plugin, you have to compile for each platform you support, and then yep. you have to have the, the PCL, which is the interface. And so traditionally, you would have had a separate project for each of those, and right. you would have linked source code between them. So Project JSON had a way of just saying, okay, I have this project. I want to compile it for .NET Framework and for .NET Core, and if it supported Xamarin, Xamarin, and Portable, right. and all of that stuff. So it had some great advantages. But about a year ago, or a little bit more, I think it was April-ish uh-huh. of 2016, uh-huh. mm-hmm. we realized that we were going to have to switch to MS Build. Uh, for better uh, or worse. And there were, there were good reasons for that. Mm-hmm. We, we had acquired Xamarin. Yep. And we were worried more about interoperability and, and of the different .NET platforms. Right. And .NET Standard is uh, kind of like the, the next version of PCLs. That's yeah. how I think about it. it right. It's a replacement for portable class libraries. Sure. And it's, but it's basically the same thing, but better. Mm-hmm. But we wanted everyone to be writing .NET standard projects. But you have to be able to reference your .NET standard fr- project from a .NET core project. Sure. As well as a .NET framework project and a Xamarin project and a UWP project. But when we had these two different project formats, referencing from one to another did not work well. Ooh. And we tried to make it work, and it kind of did. But, but that was one issue that we said, this isn't working well. And then we just have tooling. We have tooling in Visual Studio. Visual sure. Studio understands MS Build. And to support Project JSON, we basically rewrote a lot of that project system tooling to understand Project JSON. But different plugins and extensions to Visual Studio wouldn't work with that new thing. There's uh, other no. IDEs yeah. that wouldn't understand Project JSON. There's yeah. VS Code, Xamarin, or now Visual Studio for Mac, I guess. It's got to be tough after building, putting so much energy into Project JSON. Oh, yeah. I mean, you basically had to revert. Yeah, it was a big change of direction, and that's the way development sometimes goes. And this was, you Uh, know. You also worked on MEF. You know about pain. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Uh, The thing was, it was development in the open. Yeah, So we made this decision, and pretty soon afterwards, like a matter of weeks, we announced that, hey, there's this big change of direction. We're going to MS Build. (sighs) And uh, I gave a presentation here, and I showed on a slide I had Project JSON. And then the next slide I had File New Project 
you know, project build. Uh, console build. application. Yeah. And I showed the project file of that, and it fills the slide. It's super <laughs> verbose. And so when, when the people who love this very simple project uh, format yeah. heard that we were going to MS Build, that's what we had they had in mind. Yeah. And we said that, you know, we know Project JSON is great. We're going to take all of the benefits of Project JSON and bring the, them to MS Build. Nice. But we hadn't done that. We hadn't really worked out exactly how, how? we were going to do yeah. that. So all we could say was, trust us. It's going to be good. Be, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, judging from the reactions, a lot of people didn't believe us. Yeah. So that's, that's what we've been doing over the past year or a little bit more. Right. Is figuring out how do we make MS Build better? How do we get all of these advantages that Project Jason had back so, into I mean, MS had, Build? And in, for 2017, you put MS Build back into play because we fixed a whole bunch of problems, but it is an ugly project file. You are working towards making a better project file. Uh, so file. as of VS 2017, there is the better project file. Okay, so now, it is better. The the context of this is that, you know, this was .NET Core and .NET Standard. Right. So if you create a new .NET Framework project or a, a Xamarin project or any, any other, anything else, you'll still get the old project file format. Okay. If you say new console application for .NET Core, or a new .NET standard library, you'll get these new clean project files. Nice. You can use them when you're targeting .NET framework, mm -hmm. but not everything will work if you are doing kind of some of the other application models like WPF yeah. or Windows Forms. Yeah, you don't know what work. dependency those guys necessarily are looking for out of your ARMS build file. It, yeah, it's not, it, probably they'll build. Right. Um, it's more about the, the Visual Studio project system. And so the, like the designers and tooling and stuff in Visual right. Studio probably won't work. But so we, we, we do want to bring this to more projects over time. Mm -hmm. But uh, right now it's mainly for .NET Core and .NET Standard. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was aware of the thing when it was going on. And so like, I understand you know, how we got here. But uh, yeah, it's got to be frustrating too. Well, I, yeah, I'm really happy with where we've ended up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know how far we would be able to get uh, what it would end up looking like, but it's it better is, than expected. huh? It is. So it's still XML. Yep. So sorry if you don't like XML. A little bit of angle brackets. That's how yeah. that's going to be. <laughs> but, uh, but the basic project file is the only real piece of information you need is what is my target framework. Right. Yeah. And then you have a project tag, you have a SDK attribute on the project tag, that's Microsoft.net.sdk, and then you have, you know, MS build, still MS build, so you have a property group. Inside that, you have a property that says target framework, and it says NetCore App 2.0, or, nice. uh, you know, net standard, whatever. It's yeah, better. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's at least progress. The other aspect of this, of course, besides the project file itself, is just this whole DevOps workflows. I mean, I referenced Donovan's show because there was so much emphasis on, yeah, if you're just building from, from studio, that's fine. But if you really want to automate, you've got to be doing CLI-level calls, right? Line, uh, line calls and execution pipelines, and MS Build has to play ball in that. Um, it can. Right. Uh, MS Build is very powerful and very extensible. Mm -hmm. So you can certainly do that, and some people do, and it works great. Now, we've, we've made the project file format very simple. When you want to extend the build and have this customized pipeline, all that power is there. Yep. Uh, you may get into some stuff that is more complicated, more verbose, doesn't look as pretty. So that's kind of up to you. Do you want to use MS Build for that? And mm -hmm. lots of people do, and it works great. I recommend it as a solution. And you can't argue with the price. Yeah. <laughs> but there, well, 
But there are other ones, uh, like, you know, cake is popular uh, or fake. And so a lot of people that use those tools, they still use MS Build for the project files, but then they use these other tools to orchestrate their their DevOps or their their overall build. Right. And so that's kind of up to you. I'd recommend, you know, learning a little bit about yeah. them and, and just seeing what works. But, and, you know, if and you're... And you do have the, the Octopus deploys and stuff, the commercial yeah. aspects of all of this. Yeah. So, and not, not that I want to hide from any of that, but it's just like, it's just interesting to see that there is a there is a gamut here that you yep. can choose from right. if you want to get into all those things. We did do a show a while back with about cake. Yeah, we did. We didn't yeah. get too much into it, but I know James yeah. uses it a lot. Sure. And people use it for Yeah, folks that are, that are advocates of it. Uh, one of the things that people do complain about around MS Build and the like is the documentation side, and it seems like that's improving. It's improving, yes. Very much. I mean, the you know, the whole new Microsoft Docs site is, is pretty great. It's amazing. And uh, you can send a pull request to update the documentation, which mm. is great. So it's a, it's a much better process. And I was preparing for my talk on MS Build here and looking at the documentation, uh, and it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's got general concepts. So you, you, can, you can learn there. Could always stand to improve. <laughs> always. And I think it will. Yeah, the new doc. What's funny right now, of course, is there's a schism. There's, there's the old docs for Visual Studio 2015 and back. Yeah. And then we have the new docs for Visual 2017, although they're getting better about making sure there's links between them so mm. folks can find their ways. Yeah, for MS Build particularly, like there's a couple of the doc pages that I generally refer to, uh, like built-in properties of MS Build, for right. example. And so I, I searched for one of those, and I think that gave me MSDN as the result. <sighs> uh, uh, and I said, you know, this isn't the where I really want to find this. Yeah. So I went and found it on the doc site. So, so yeah. We still have these battles. It's interesting how hard search is. I hate to admit how many times I actually go to Google and go site colon Microsoft.com and then do the search to actually find things. Are there any new challenges that, as a user, we need to know about MS Build in, in .NET Core land? Well, so in order to have these uh, very simple project files, the philosophy that we had was basically sensible defaults yeah. that you could override if necessary. So if the default behavior is not something you want, then you may need to know how to disable those defaults. So by default, we include all of the all of the source files recursively in your in your project folder. If you don't want that, then you can disable that. But you need to know, oh, set this property to false, set enable default items to false. Okay. And then we won't give you all of those automatically. And that's something we didn't have to do before? Well, you had to list them explicitly before. So it it kind of depends. It. Are you using Visual Studio? Yeah. Or are you editing the project file yourself? If you're using Visual Studio, you don't see the project file. And so not much has changed. Though I should, should say, with these new projects, you can now edit the project file in Visual Studio without unloading the project, which yeah. is really great. So instead of right-clicking on the project and saying unload, and then saying edit the project file, you just right-click and say edit the CS proj. And it's, it's there in Visual Studio. And so you can make a change. And then when you save, it'll automatically refresh. And... A lot of updates just happen that way. Either you typing in the project file yeah. uh, in Visual Studio, or you do it outside of Visual Studio, or you switch Git branches and it makes a change. Instead of saying, oh, this project file has changed, do you want to reload it? Uh, most of the time, it'll just automatically reload your project. You'll see the changes show up. And if you do have the default files enabled, so if it does say, you know, compile all C-sharp 
source files in my project folder. If you just drop some extra files there, you'll see those just show up automatically in Solution Explorer. Nice. So it's a very smooth experience. So some of those kinds of changes, even if you're not actually editing the project file, you'll notice like I can actually switch Git branches or reset my changes and Visual Studio doesn't pop up all these dialogues at me. And uh, before we continue, let's just take a moment here to pay our bills. This episode of .NET Rocks is made possible in part by Windows on the Google Cloud platform. What? Isn't this a .NET show? Yeah. .NET runs on the Google Cloud platform, man. Everything in .NET? You bet. All the .NET core libraries and more, including 200 plus Google.com and cloud services. Hey, John Skeet's behind it. He's a genius. The John Skeet? The Rescue the Princess John Skeet from Stack Overflow? Yeah, the one and only. You can deploy your ASP.NET Windows apps to Compute Engine or your ASP.NET Core apps to App Engine or Container Engine, which is Google's hosted Kubernetes environment, and it runs like, well, Google. But what about Visual Studio integration? Oh, it's there. I'm reading it now. You can use Visual Studio to manage your GCP resources and deploy your existing apps. Yep. You can get stack driver logging, error reporting, and tracing support for .NET and .NET Core. Also, there are PowerShell commandlets for GCP, which run on Windows and Linux. And if you need help, there are a great set of partners to get workloads to GCP, including Capgemini, Nudesic, and Magenic. So go to gcp.netrocks.com and get your free trial today. .NET on Google. Who knew? And we're back. You're listening to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. We're talking to uh, Daniel Playstead about MS Build and all the new cool features. Yep. Were most of the changes that you made, I mean, dealing with the, the project file side of Visual Studio, like we, we, at the top of the show, we were trying to talk about this. Well, lots happened recently. Is mm -hmm. that, it's, that's the main issue. The, the core build engine is not that different. We have made some changes to the core build engine in support of this. Right. So we've shipped a new experience. Right. And, and, uh, and that's implemented in various places. Yeah, and it's it's all open source, spread across several different repos. Right. There are some improvements to the core MS Build engine, some of which are available for any old project. Yep. So, for example, you have an item in MS Build, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically your source files or your references or your now in Visual Studio 2017, your package references, those are all items. Mm -hmm. And so an item has a value, like which is the file name or the, the name of the reference, but an item can also have metadata, right. the version of the package you're referencing. Before Visual Studio 2017, that metadata had to be a sub-element in the XML. Right. And so you had to have the open tag for the item, and then under that you had to have an element for the, the metadata and the uh, close tag okay. for the item. Now mm. you can express that metadata as an attribute on the item. So you have just one tag. You're making things a little terse. Yeah. So that uh, we we did that mainly because we were going to use this for package references. And sure. So we wanted you to be able to say package reference include equal newtonsoft.json version equals 10.0.2. Yeah. Close tag. And so that's nice and succinct. It, it also makes sure that you don't run around without a version number on a given tag. It doesn't do that. I mean, it's up to you. You will get an error somewhere along yeah, the line right. if you need that. But I, I just like the idea that you have that association yeah. right then and there. It's part of the same tag. So that's one improvement. If you need metadata on an item, you can do that in any old project file because it's uh, a feature of MS Build. There's also, and this was kind of orthogonal. I think this was before we 
we were really working on .NET Core, maybe before we made the decision. But a lot of times in a project, you have a repository or a solution or something, and you want to apply common properties across all of the projects in the solution. And so MS Build will let you import a project file. So the props or the .targets files are, are things you can import. And people would have common properties or targets files for their repo. But they had to import those explicitly. And if you don't know how high up it is in the tree, what you really wanted to do is say, walk up the directory tree to look for a file with this name. And when you find it, import it. And you could do that. And we did that. But the syntax was very, very verbose and ugly. Yeah. So now MS Build knows about uh, files called directory.build.props mm -hmm. and directory.build.targets. And so you can just drop one of those files at the root of your repo, and MS Build will automatically import that. Nice. So whenever you want common properties or common targets or anything, any common MS Build stuff, you can just easily put it there. Just put it there and it goes. Yeah. I do recall one of the reasons you use command line to call MS Build rather than just do stuff through Visual Studio is to get to the 64-bit version of Build. But you virtually never need to do that. Oh, you know, I don't even know about that. I can check right here. Yeah, I mean, it's only the nearest I can tell. The only reason is you have a build process that during that process is going to consume more than four gigs of RAM. Yeah, and if you're doing that, it's like, what are you building? That is a big yeah. app. But there are big solutions out sure. there. Yeah, and it's not necessarily that the app is more than four gigs, but that the build process. Yeah, which, there's lots what you of have data to have in memory along. is that consumptive. I just, I very few k. I've I've talked to folks that have done it. And I'm like, why? What's going on? You know, 64-bit is a funny critter that, uh, you know, on one hand, you're like, I want everything to be 64-bit. It's like, do you really? Yeah. So really all you get is addressing more than four gigs of RAM. Yep. And why, 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 why? <laughs> well, you know, some people always need it. But, you know, on the topic of different versions of MS Build, mm -hmm. we, beyond 64 and 32-bit, yep. we have the .NET Core version of MS Build. Right. So we have MS Build that comes with Visual Studio. Yep like it has for a while and you can use that to build on windows but if you want to build cross-platform on linux or mac then you need an ms build and so we have the dotnet core sdk mm -hmm. uh, that includes the dotnet cli the dotnet d-o-t-n-e-t command right and that also includes ms build so you can say dotnet ms build you invoke that command that's running the version of ms build that's included in that dotnet core sdk okay so that's the .NET Core version of MS Build, and that's going to be the same version that's available for Windows, for Mac, and for Linux. Right. And so hopefully most time it, most of the time it doesn't matter. If you're, if you're sticking to .NET Standard and .NET Core, the same, same thing should really happen. Sure. Whether you invoke .NET MS Build, my project, or if you just say MS Build, my project. Right. But if you're building like a WPF project, then you need tasks and targets that that do WPF things right. that are only on the full version. And so if you try to use the .NET Core version, that probably won't work. It's not going to work. Well, WPF doesn't run on Linux and Mac. Yeah. Nice. Not today. <laughs> yes. You know, the world's a strange place. Who you knows never know, right? Next? I wouldn't try for that one. But uh, Well, it's also, I think some people get confused because when you go searching on MS Build and things like that, there's also a C++ edition of MS Build. Well, that is the same MS Build. So MS Build is a a generic build engine. Right. At a, the core MS build engine doesn't really know anything about .NET or C Sharp or anything. Mm. Now, MS build itself ships with a lot of 
targets files, and they include a build pipeline that understands what build and clean and compile are. And it also includes the support for .NET Framework within what we ship as MS Build. And right. I think in the full version of MS Build, probably includes the C++ support. Right. I'm not sure about that. So MS Build is, is a, just a generic build engine, comes with some included build logic, the included build pipeline, and some specializations for that for a given language. You could use the generic build engine without using any of the common targets. Sure. So you could define your whole build pipeline completely independently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and for toy projects and learning MS Build, sometimes people do that. For, for building real projects, I think most people probably use the common targets. Right. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to see if the following line of C code compiles. Return P, question, question, bang, question, question, bang, K, question, P, question, asterisk, P, colon, size of, paren, asterisk, K, close paren, colon, zero, semicolon. And yeah, it does. Actually, Great. I have no idea what it does, but it actually <laughs> compiles. This goes to show you the compiler won't always save you. No. Because I think you needed saving from that one. I do. How would you? I mean, I <laughs> vowed when I started this show I'd never read code on the air. Yeah. After, you know, whatever it is, 16 years. But for years, a joke. For a joke, I'm willing to go there. <laughs> All right, it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from DevExpress to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their new Dev Extreme React Grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like the virtual DOM, state controllers like Redux and all that. It supports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing. You can check it out and test it for free by getting it from GitHub. And learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Rajesh Mulchandani. Hi, congratulations, Rajesh. Yeah. Golf flap for you, sir. Golf flap for you. And uh, Rajesh just won the D-Experience subscription to Big Pile Awesome from our friends at DevExpress just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of said fan club. All right, Daniel, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would it be? I thought a little bit about that. I'd probably try out a hol HoloLens. Yeah. I think yeah. that's about $3,000. 3000 bucks is yeah. a big hole. And while I'm at it, I have, you know, maybe a VR headset, yep. mm -hmm. Oculus Rift, HTC. Or both. I probably wouldn't get both, although <laughs> not at video, first, at least. You're also going to need a new video card then, too, right? They, they're pretty demanding. Or do you? Are you into high-end machines? I mean, I have a pretty good video card. It's right. probably not quite optimal for, for VR, so I probably uh, want a new one. The, the reference okay. right now, I think, is the NVIDIA 1080 GTX. Yeah. Mm. Which is, uh, that's a pretty torquey card. It's about 600 bucks. Yep. Yeah, and then with leftover money, I would probably buy a remote-control plane. 
Wow. Nice. Electric. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. So I the the story is I got one of these for my birthday from my wife. Nice. They thought I would my wife and my son, they thought I would like it and I did it was great. Yeah. It was $130. It was a starter plane. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um it had the full control, you know, the the throttle and the, the Remote, 6 degrees yeah. of f- freedom. Really cool. I lost it about a month ago. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah, the wind was blowing yeah. and uh I didn't realize it and it kept getting further away and eventually it disappeared behind that happens houses. i was presuming you were going to end this with it and then there was a smoking hole in the ground where the airplane <laughs> no <to be>. well <laughs> this was i've a, done that this was a great beginner plane it, yeah. like i've crashed it plenty of times oh yeah it's but it's tough. very durable and you just tape it back together yeah. right yeah awesome. right yeah i put a balsa wood doped paper paper uh remote control airplane into a cow's field and by the time i got to it the cows were standing on what yeah. was left of it yeah it was a sad day but uh no it's it's a fun hobby yeah and uh, yeah, very interesting. And and these days, I mean, if you're into the software side of that stuff, mm-hmm. you can do almost complete automation now. There are kits where you can, you know, literally command it with your phone, point uh-huh. to locations and fly it around, as opposed to the very dynamic using the remote with the joysticks. You're really flying the plane. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as far as you want to go with this stuff, man. It's it's really cool and uh, obsessive stuff. We were just getting to the conversation around targets. With MS Bill, which I guess is sort of the one of the core concepts, right? Yes. You have the basics of MS Build are that you have properties, which yep. are kind of like variables with a single value. Mm-hmm. You have items, which are lists of things, basically, which yep. might be a file, might not be. It might depend on how it's used. And then th- that's kind of the data that's the input to the build process. How do you do anything? Mm-hmm. And so the, the things that do something are called tasks that invokes an action such as copying a file or calling the compiler. Right. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of those built into MS build and you can write your own in C sharp. Yes. But you can't have a task by itself in your, in your project or your build, you put tasks in targets. Mm -hmm. And so targets kind of order the tasks and have dependencies between them. So all of the targets in your project and everything it imports create this kind of graph of dependencies sure this depends on this depends on this this is how it got to be built before that can be built all of those kinds yeah so build depends on a bunch of stuff including compile which depends on core compile and compile depends on resolve references which depends on resolve assembly references Mm -hmm. and so there i saw an image of this there's a big graph of a bunch of things that come in the box right and then you can insert your own stuff into that graph to customize it so that it's very, very flexible and powerful. You can kind of extend anything. But that has its drawbacks, too. Everything is essentially public in MS Build. Right. Mm. So there's no real encapsulation. So you don't know, you know, if, you're, if we're publishing these, these tasks and these targets, then people insert themselves before or after them or modify the inputs and outputs before them. Mm-hmm. So that's great that they can do that but that means that anything we change could potentially break them sure yeah so that's how it is it's great it's extensible it has some drawbacks yeah yeah and then i mean we've always had that experience that ms bill can be brittle like you if you're not careful what you're changing and checking carefully you, you will get surprised sometimes Yes, and it's been hard to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, um, it doesn't fail elegantly when it fails. It just fails. Well, it, it depends. I mean, it may print out an error that says this target failed right. because of this. 
And it why why <laughs> well why wasn't this file there? Why did this property have this value? Yeah. It's just, it's they're subtle. So, but there are ways you can figure that out, and it's gotten a lot better this year. Yeah. So the first thing to know is pre-processing. Mm-hmm. So MS build slash pp colon myfile.xml. Right. That will not build your project. Hmm. That will take your project and walk through all of the imports and produce a flat file so that all of the common targets, everything that's imported will be in one file. So then you can inspect and see this is all of the stuff that affected my build. So if you want to know what was changing this property or setting this property, you can search through that and you can find, oh, and this common target, it's, it's set here or it's used like that. Interesting. So that's very helpful when you want to get into deep. You're using some build logic that you don't understand. You want to figure out how it works without manually saying, okay, this imported this thing and I'm going to go find that on disk and, right. and walk and through each through file. And look through it ma- manually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just mm-hmm. being able to have that whole list broken down into one easy yeah. chunk. Although... It, it's longer than you think, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super long. Um, and, and so usually what I do is I, I look, you know, I do a search for the thing that I'm looking for, and then right. I find it. And the, the format of this pre-processed file is it prints these, uh, it tells you where it is. So when it does an import, it'll have a comment that says, okay, there was this import, and mm-hmm. it imported this file. And so now you're in this file until it gets to the next one. So then I'll scroll up and try to find it, and there's this big long dashes right. that kind of separates the jumps between the files. So I scroll up until I find one of those, and then I say, okay, I was in this file. That's where that logic was. Is that file XML at that point still? Yes. Do you have a favorite XML viewer like that, that's uh, actually got some smarts around opening and closing tags, that kind of um, thing? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, Visual Studio is pretty good, but it doesn't do that collapsing. Yeah. And I've done it in IE for crying out loud. Right? VS Code, yeah. IE collapses it, but is not as good in other ways. Got I its think. own problem with searches. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you don't have one, Daniel. Well, there that probably means it's is not just one. me. <laughs> so I try to avoid XML at all costs these days. <laughs> you know, diagnosing a build process, like this is just a, it's not yeah. a fun problem. And I, and I always feel like, Building in general is treated kind of badly. Like it's a, it's sort of a, who, who drew the short straw? You've got the build problems. Yep. That you can do the pre-processing. Yep. And then you can also have a log file. And traditionally, like a log file, you, you've got command line options to say generate a log file. And you probably want the diagnostic verbosity because that includes everything and yep. you might need it. But that's just a big, long text it's file. Huge. And it's huge. Hard to diagnose problems with well, that. Well, what do you do? You go to the bottom where it failed and work your way back up. Yeah, or right. you search, uh, but it's hard. I've done that. But now we have binary logging or structured logging. So what you want to search yeah. for is MS Build Structured Log. I'm going to look at that up, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a tool that uh, someone from Microsoft, who I was on the MS Build team for a while. I think maybe now he works for Xamarin. Or I don't Anyway, it's Kirill Osenkoff. Osenkoff, yeah, yeah, I found him. He's a great guy. He wrote a custom logger for MS Build. So MS Build is extensible in various ways, and you can have your own custom logger. So he wrote a logger that instead of writing to a text file, would write to this binary format, which preserves the structure of the data. Interesting. And then he wrote a viewer for that. So you can actually view this. You can see the log file. You can see the tree of the targets that were executed. Yeah. Oh, this looks um, nice. And you can, it's a tree view. You can expand properties. You can expand the items mm. and then expand oh, to the yeah. metadata. Uh, so it's really great, and you can search through it. Well, I wish um, I knew about this. Kirill, thank you. Yes. If you're listening. So I think it's, it's maybe a year old. And now, so that was a custom logger that you could add. Right. Now in update three to Visual Studio, oh, yeah? there is built-in support for binary logging. Okay. So you can just add slash BL 
on the msbuild command line, and that will create a bin log file, msbuild.binlog by default. Okay. And so that has all of this rich information, and then you can use this msbuild structured log viewer, which he wrote, yep. to view it. And it's great. It helps a lot. Interesting. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely make some notes on that. And I'm glad to hear that. Like, yeah. just build pipelines are getting longer. They're getting more complicated. You know, this is where again we tend to tend to just okay, the free tool's not enough. I'm going to go to the commercial tool. So it's it's nice to see you digging into these kinds of problems with us. Yeah, I've got to admit that for .NET Core and .NET Standard, I don't know if the pipeline. Yeah, you know, we've added some stuff to the pipeline, but we've just added a whole bunch more data that gets passed around. So sure. uh, if you do like a verbose log on a .NET Core project, it's lengthy. You will see that it's quite big <laughs> uh, because there's all of these NuGet packages and yeah. all of the files in them, and they all get processed through this pipeline mm -hmm. through several different item lists. Yeah. Some of that stuff hopefully will improve a bit. But well, it, yeah, you guys have been just like the whole .NET team has going to core, going cross platform. Like I understand why you focused on what you need to focus on because we needed that, it, and I'm glad there's been some cycles to help us understand as these build processes are getting bigger and bigger where we're having problems, how to diagnose them, and so forth. So, but I, I totally get where you guys are covered. You don't. It's not like you get more people to deal with that. It's it's all the same guys. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> we hire, you know. <laughs> You had to hire more. Yeah. And, and Kirill got away but, from you? Oh, well, he, I think he is working for something on Xamarin. Oh, okay. he did a, he did a real cool prototype or something and said, hey, we want to, we want to try that. That's uh, awesome. So I think he's working on that. That's good. Well, at least you can still call him. But uh, he's like, there were some bugs in his structured log viewer. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I reported. And uh, just this morning, I saw that he had fixed some no of them. No kidding. So, uh, I love that. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So now very, very cool. And yeah, I wish I'd known about this. This is really interesting stuff. And I hope uh, folks take advantage of it because just to help break down something yep. as complicated, when you build a really good build system and then mysteriously break it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm really happy that we're investing in MS Build. And a lot of it today is focused on .NET Core and .NET Standard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we'll hopefully bring that to more. And then some of these, like this logging works anywhere. Yeah, um, and so that's anyway, you know, tell everyone about the structured logging. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's going to be yeah. a huge help. Yeah, I'm ring the needs. bell on that every day, man. And that's, the, that's the directory.build.props and directory.build.targets also. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anyone who has a, a repo and wants to have common logic, that'll probably be helpful for them. Yeah. Any other tidbits, things people need to know if you're just getting up? I have a question. You want to take that? Go. Yeah. I, the reason that I haven't been asking a lot of questions is because I just use Visual Studio. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably like, you know, the 90% of yep. people who don't pay attention to what happens under the hood. Is there anything that guys like me need to know about MS Build in the new world of .NET Core and .NET Standard? Or is Visual Studio pretty much abstracting it all away from me? So Visual Studio will still abstracted away from you generally if you're doing the same things that you've always done. Right. Uh, some of the new stuff that we've added, you might need to edit your your project file. Yeah. Uh, for example, we have support for targeting multiple frameworks at the same time. All right. So you go to the project properties and you got a drop down and so you know you're, it's a .NET standard project and so it, the drop down shows the versions of .NET standard. Mm. Uh, same with .NET Core, .NET Framework. It'll just show the versions of that framework. 
if you want to change to a different framework or if you want to target multiple of them, then today you would need to edit your project file. In the project properties, you can set that too, right? You, if you want to do it in the UI. No. So currently you really? cannot target multiple frameworks. But I mean, if you in, want to change the one you're targeting, you can do yes. that in Visual Studio. Uh, and currently, if you wanted to change between versions of the same framework, you could do that in the UI. I don't think you could change from like .NET Standard to .NET Core or vice oh, versa. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, although... You know, all of this is maybe we'll add support for it in the future. Maybe we'll let you retarget between .NET Core and .NET Standard. Maybe right. eventually we'll we'll have UI for multi-targeting for targeting more than one. Yeah. Just to be clear, why would you multi-target? So uh, when you want to compile the same code for multiple platforms, right? Like an assembly, for example, something that doesn't isn't particular to it, like a PCL assembly or something. Um, yeah. So if if it's the exact same code for multiple platforms, then just use .NET Standard. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to access platform-specific functionality, if there's a native library that you want to call that's different on each platform, then, um, and this is the model of Xamarin plugins. Yeah. This is the bait-and-switch model of PCLs. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I like that term. Yeah. Uh, I think Glenn Block came up with that, and Paul Betts popularized it in nice. the blog post. Cool. The bait-and-switch. Um, so if you want to do that, you can say, okay, I want to build this project for .NET Framework, for .NET Core, and for .NET Standard. Right. And then you can have conditional compilation for just the implementation pieces that are different. Okay. okay. And then, but the rest of it and your API surface is all shared between those. Right. And, and I love that idea of one project, yeah. multiple targeting. And so like, you build it, compelling. you build the project, and it builds it for all of those target frameworks. Right. And another feature of that was in Project JSON and, and that we have now is you can pack the project, which means to create a NuGet package out right. of the project. Previously, to create a NuGet package, you had to author a NuSpec file. Right. And you had the list. Okay, I want this file to go in there, and it needs to go in this path in the package. And so right. you had to do that for all the files, and you had to edit the metadata and everything. Right. Now your project file has that information. Nice. Okay. And so you can just say, pack my project, and it'll create the NuGet package for you. Hmm. If you're multi-targeting, it'll have, you know, lib net 4.6, lib net core app 2.0, lib right. net standard, whatever. Whatever you're targeting, it'll just build it for you. Fantastic. Nice. Nice. Yeah, great answer. Any other little tidbits, folks that are trying to get their heads around MS Build, like gotchas, things they should look at first, mistakes you're going to make? Not in general. Okay. I would say that if you do have issues or if you think you found a bug, then there are these open source repos. There is. And so that can be a good place to report issues or even just ask questions if something isn't working like you expect it. There's 500 open issues right now on MS Build. Yeah. Wow. So if it's an MS Build issue on GitHub, Microsoft slash MS Build mm -hmm. is a good place to go. If it's with .NET Core or .NET Standard projects, then probably you want to go to .NET slash SDK right. okay. or .NET slash CLI. And okay. so we have, like I said, there's a lot of different repos. Those are the main ones. The CLI and the SDK are the main ones for build support for, for .NET Core and .NET Standard. Fantastic. Uh, and don't worry, like, just put it in one of them, and if we need to, we'll move it for you. Awesome. Thank you. Daniel, thanks for being with us for this hour. Thank you. It's been fun. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.
Dotnet Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a, a